Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here for this episode of Friday Morning GM with co-host Vasilis uh, Larikos. I, I will try and get that right, right? You got it. That was good. You nailed it, Ken. I, I appreciate doing this show with you, uh, Josh, as well as all the other content we produced over the years. Uh, uh, great back and forth and some uh, understanding of, of how we view uh general manager topics a little bit differently and i think you'll you'll hear some of that today but uh, the ravens coming out of this first week have a lot of injuries to deal with uh and we're going to talk about that mostly today yeah it's tough especially when you're looking at it from a general manager or sally cap perspective you have a player like marcus williams who you pay a big chunk of money to not only do you have to find a replacement that also is potentially eats into your salary cap for this year there are long-term effects for future salary caps as well. Um, not to mention not having some of your best players available on the field for a pivotal week two game. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've, I can never recall a worse game in terms of, I can't recall another game where the Ravens lost four starters in the same game. I, I, I can't do it. I know they had a real bad game at Tennessee a few years back, but uh, but this this was awful. The, the, the game against Dallas in week four, I think it was, of 2012, yep. where they lost Webb and, and uh, Lewis. And Lewis. Yeah, that was a tough one. I was at that one. Yep. Very tough. Yep. Yeah, but this was uh, this was the worst of the worst. And 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 fortunately, but, you know, these guys don't all seem to be gone for the year. It might be two out of four. We're, I guess we're still kind of hoping it's one out of four and that Williams makes it back at some point. I'm actually a little bit skeptical that's going to happen. But uh, the Ravens gone out and done some addressing of, of these things already. Yeah, so the uh, the big acquisition, I guess, if you want to call it that, was Deron Harmon, a safety, a longtime New England Patriot, um, has started 49 games the last three years as a journeyman for Detroit, Atlanta, and the Raiders. So he is uh, now a member of the Ravens practice squad, hopefully supplying some depth as that fourth safety. Yeah, he's frankly... I have a lot of a hard time really believing he's available still. He's he is almost thirty three years old. He'll be thirty three in January, but he's he's played you know he played seven years at New England before he before he moved on, and he was still a very good player last year for the Raiders. Um, did a lot of things well. Uh, rushes the quarterback occasionally, but mostly the guys a free safety, uh, and and that's it's always great when you can go to the market and pick up a free safety, so you're not restricting the responsibilities you might have, but Harmon very comfortable playing on the back end. And the thing that that really stands out among the statistics is that he's allowed 12 touchdowns and 27 interceptions career on his targets per PFF. Now I, I will couch that slightly by saying PFF often gives a target to an underneath player 
on a reception between level two and three. So that doesn't necessarily completely capture that. Safeties tend to do pretty well in PFF's grading system because of that. But uh, but it is something that I think Harmon has been exceptional for relative to other safeties over the years. Yes, uh, you know, very steady player. It's interesting how sometimes these safeties linger on the market longer than you would imagine for players with starting caliber pedigree and, you know, good play on the field. Uh, 12.2 yards per target last year, which is not a great mark. That may be why, uh, you know, he's not, wasn't quite as coveted as we would have assumed this offseason. 12.2 yards per target. That's per on uh, pro football reference. I saw that one. I don't, I don't get that. I, I mean, it's, it's bad, but it's under nine yards per target on PFF. 221 divided by 25 is what I have here. Interesting. Because that, that really makes a big difference if, if the 12 was, uh, was legitimate career. He's allowed, let's see, 1,369 yards on 152 targets. Safeties tend to be a little bit higher because the throws that are, tra- are charged to them tend to be deeper on the field. Uh, but that, but that's, you know, that's not, it's not a great number. It's, it's over eight yards per target career, but, uh, but his uh, overall, uh, you know, grading and touchdowns allowed interception ratio is, is exceptional. So uh, I'm actually very excited about that acquisition in terms of, of what it brings to Ravens. Very sure tackler as well. And a guy who uh, I, I think fits the Ravens pretty well. Don't think he necessarily immediately displaces Daryl Worley. Where are you on that? Right. That's uh, that's where I was, too. I think Worley probably is the better option at this point. But technically, you need four safeties on the roster. And Ardarius Washington and Brandon Stevens are certainly needed at cornerback at this point, mm-hmm. especially because there's likely no no opportunity for Kyle Hamilton to come down to a nickel roll occasionally. So you need a fourth safety, and he's probably the best one that was available at this point. Yeah. I, I would agree entirely with all of that. And, and you know, one of the nice things coming out of week one was that that Stevens and Washington held the fort pretty well, uh, particularly Washington. I think he really played extremely well. Uh, but but Stevens as well. I mean, better than the Ravens could have hoped on on the outside. And I think that, uh, uh, you know, they've got a good chance to to make do with him. They, the outside corners, I thought, were playing a little soft in the game, but, I thought, but mm-hmm. I'm very happy with the way Stevens and Darby both came downhill and made the plays they, they really needed to make. Sure, absolutely. Not much to critique on defense at all during the first game. So at running back, the Ravens uh, are, appear to be standing pat for the moment, and I did not think that was a fixed thing regardless of what Harbaugh says because Harbaugh's talking about going to Melvin Gordon and being happy with the guys they got, blah, 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 blah. Um, I thought they might go out and get an R or one cast off that's sitting on somebody else's roster. Cause if you're going to do it this time of year is where there might really be quality sitting on somebody else's practice squad. Sure. Before they are activated to, uh, the regular roster and are not available. I would anticipate Melvin Gordon will probably be promoted for uh, week two as a key squad elevation. Um, and they still have Owen Wright on the practice squad as well, who, Showed a few flashes when the blocking allowed him to uh, to get you know get past the line of scrimmage in the preseason. I don't think you necessarily need to go out and actively sh- you know look for a running back because, as history tells us, there will be running backs available later in the season if you really need somebody. And Keaton Mitchell should be back week five. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, that's I, I, I do think part of their plan is just to wait on Mitchell. Mitchell really looks like now he's going to be featured in this offense, not just in a in a small way, you know, two carries a game kind of thing. But I think, you know, he should get some real playing time. He should be a, um, you know, have a have a, a significant role in a variety of packages. And actually, I, I kind of hope they use him as more than just a tailback in this offense, that there might be some options for him in, in Pony and in other places where he's uh, he's flexed out. Uh, with another running back in the game. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think that could definitely work. He has that that wiggle. Uh, one potential domino effect of J.K. Dobbins' uh, unfortunate injury is uh, how that affect Justice Hill and will the Ravens be less willing to use him on special teams because he may be uh, the lead back going forward. So then you're maybe looking with uh, Kevon Seymour and Tylen Wallace serving as your gunners instead of Hill. Yeah, that's a great point, and I, I really hadn't thought about that. But this probably does mean a reduced role for Hill on special teams. I I I would bet. Um, yeah, I, it's there. It is always a lot of dominoes. You know, whether you're thinking about deactivating Tylen Wallace, you know, you understand. Oh my, you know, where are we going to get the special teams player to fill in for him? But uh, yeah, it's a it's a, you need to have a backup at at, at that gunner spot, and and hopefully the. The Ravens have it figured out, or or they can continue to go with Hill on just a couple plays a game that it would be. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot, a lot of work, a lot of heavy lifting for Eric Acosta earlier this season, just figuring out these numbers. Now, before this season started, okay, and, and you know, on cutdown day, the Ravens had a very difficult decision to make on the offensive line because the offensive line had been tremendously healthy all camp. It'd been one of the great stories. It'd been one of the things that I was continually harping on was just how nice it was to have a completely healthy offensive line. And you know, the entire offensive line had been bubble-wrapped, didn't play a single play of preseason, uh, and that included McCary, the sixth offensive line. I mean, how, how often do you hear that right. that guy getting bubble-wrapped? <laughs> and, so, and, they, and they're all ready to go on opening day, and, and everybody's out there as starting as expected. John Simpson wins a left guard battle in a landslide, was a, was a runaway, you know, looked like he could really contribute at a high level this year. Didn't have a bad first game, by the way. John Simpson, I thought, was you know, played fine. But uh, now with the two injuries, the Ravens have a different question. They have a do they need another offensive lineman question because as it stands on Sunday, it looks like one of their developmental guys may have to be activated. Yeah, I mean, I think we're looking at a line from left to right, McCary, Simpson, Mustafer, Zeitler, and Moses. And then you have Falele and Cleveland as your primary backups. And then Salah is your eighth lineman. Um, who you have on the practice squad at this point are two developmental guards, uh, Tayshawn Manning and Tykeen Doss, who are probably not ready for the prime time. Unfortunately, um, David Sharp, probably the, the, the 11th offensive lineman out of preseason, was latched on with the Panthers and has been promoted to their active roster. So they cannot circle back to him at this point. Yeah, uh, it wouldn't be a great option at this point, honestly, to to go, to go with Sharp. I think I'd prefer to go with McCary, and that's really saying something because McCary at left tackle is not an ideal option by any means. But uh, the Ravens are now kind of out of backups at left tackle. I don't, I, I don't even know who's next up there. It could be Sala, uh, but you know, really thinking about who it might be, we, what we saw as a pass blocker from Sala in the preseason was a guy who was not ready for prime time. So I guess going into this week, I think Cleveland almost at, at three positions is probably their primary. 
and I don't even know what happens. I don't know even know who takes over at center, uh, whether it's Zeitler or who it might be. If you if you have a problem there, or Pat Ricard maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's a tough situation. The, the Ravens have had this uh, issue of not necessarily having quality depth at offensive tackle. It's one of the hardest places to find it, especially hard for a best player available drafting team to find it because sometimes that's the position the other teams will reach up on around to. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Early because they know how scarce offensive tackles are. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, so anyway, I, I would I would assume that DaCosta would be out there looking at available linemen, and, and that is a place for rapid degradation of the replacement level. We talk about this sometimes on the show, but it bears repeating once a season or more, is that the guy you can pick up off somebody else's practice squad in, in mid-September is a hell of a lot better than the guy you can pick up for that same position in mid-December. And it's it's more rapid at certain positions. Uh, and you mentioned running back. You typically have a, a shallower drop-off in that level of play to the guy you can find in, in December. I agree with that. I think if you're talking left tackle, there's just nothing left. If you, sometimes if you're talking cornerback where a lot of injuries accrue, there's nothing left in December. You really are, are down to uh, guys who might not have even been on a practice squad to start the season a lot of times. So, uh, yeah, it, it offensive, offensive tackle – I would I would uh, opine is the least uh, the most scarce skill set among the NFL. Now you look at Cleveland; they lost their right tackle Conklin mm-hmm. uh, for for a duo a knee injury, but they had selected uh, Dewan Jones, I believe, in the third round, who was a player who was a rookie, but he has you know the size and shape and potential to to be a decent fill in. Um, moving forward, I mean, I think you really have to invest more resources into that just because of the scarcity. Yeah. Uh, obviously the, uh, the, the Browns having a huge all in year and losing a player at a key position like that is the kind of medicine that is very difficult to swallow for an organization yeah. like that. That's trying to trying to win all at once right now. Um, let's, let's continue with the tackle situation for a little bit because Ronnie Stanley's injury it has multi-year implications. It doesn't just have one because the, the Ravens, I think to start with Ronnie was pretty much the results of this year. We're going to determine whether or not the Ravens are going to have him in 24. Now I think it's even more important. He get back on the field before the year's over to maintain his spot on the roster and, uh, and, and not be cut. The Ravens have about an $8.3 million uh, benefit from cutting him, you know they can they can in fact push additional value uh, from that into 2025. Push push another, I think it's about nine million more of that cap into 25, which means that that they can cut a lot of cap for cutting Ronnie Stanley. But the problem is a huge investment in finding their new left tackle. Yes, it's uh, it's a shame. Uh, out of Ronnie's first 70 games, he missed eight. That was before he signed his contract. I believe one of those eight was actually just a uh, arrest in a, in the late season uh, in 2019. 
since then he's pulled, he's missed 31 of 49. Um, and if he can't anchor, which he was having problems anchoring before the, the uh, this ankle injury, it just seems like a matter of time until he's rolled up one again. And uh, I, I hate to say it, but uh, he just does not seem like a reliable option at this point. Uh, so 15 million, if you use a post-June deferral next off season, I think that really has to become a, an option. Took a quick look at the unrestricted free agents. Uh, longtime Cowboy Tyron Smith is uh, is a UFA. Um, and he's actually playing for a pretty cheap number this year because he has also dealt with injuries. I think pretty much any of the stopgaps you're going to be looking at for a decent number are going to be these Dwayne Brown, you know, late 30s guys who are just unreliable at this point. Mm-hmm. And yet that might be a better option than not having anybody or, or you know, going to having to go to Sala or to – you know, Ben Cleveland on the left side or move Moses to the left and have Ben Cleveland on the right. I mean, you can come up with a lot of pretty bad combinations out of what you might have to do. I actually was pretty positive in Ben Cleveland's rookie year that that might be a place he would end up because he's got reasonable length. Um, I think he's 33 and three quarters or something. So he's not extremely short, but he might end up at right tackle because of his massive size and a lot of the things he, you know, he can do. Um, and the Ravens have waited till this year to even try him at tackle. They did try – it wasn't Cleveland, was it? No, it was Powers. They tried at center a couple of years mm-hmm. ago for one yep. day in camp, and that didn't work out in terms of some wild stats. I mean, the other option is McCary. McCary's still under contract next year at, uh, what is it, 6.4? And now they could get saved 4.4 if they released him. So you maybe you release McCary and you release Stanley, and then you have – with a post June, then you have almost twenty million to find a new left tackle. But the list of needs in next off season is only is only enormous. growing larger. Yeah, I mean you have enormous glut of UFAs. Uh, you know, people like Dobbins and Queen and and Zeitler all wanted contracts now because they're in the last year of their deals. But but it it just I, there's no money. I mean, there's right. no long term money for the Ravens to 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 do this, and they have a little bit better cap situation this year because Lamar's actually signed. Uh, you know, it has that lower first year number. It gets a lot worse and it gets pretty bad pretty quickly for Lamar. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, this is this is something the Ravens are just going to have to deal with on a case by case basis. I thought the Vories draft pick in particular was one that was directly aimed at saving money at right guard because he seems like the, the the perfect fit there next year. Agree, and but when you look at it, they're essentially at ten starters current starters that are uh, in line to become unrestricted. Um, and they had the 11th least cap space in the league projected at this point. Mm-hmm. As far as draft picks, um, they have in line to get a fourth round from for powers, a fourth round compensatory. They also have an additional seventh rounder for trading Chuck Clark, but they sacrificed their sixth rounder next year for Voorhees. Aguilar. So that, um, right, because he knocked out uh, yeah, the uh, Josh Oliver. But you're looking at you need two receivers, one or two corners, probably two defensive linemen, an edge, uh, a running back, maybe a guard. I mean, that's eight picks. You can't – you almost know exactly where your eight needs are already in heading into week two the year before. They, they are literally going to have to pull a rabbit out of the hat in terms of finding some UDFA defensive linemen or you know have a development that's unexpected this year. I don't know who that might be. But, but uh, you know, maybe it's Brandon Stevens at cornerback. And, you know, that okay. now you're really, you're, you're, you're praying 
right now. If you're if you're hoping for that, Brandon Stevens also will be a fourth year player next year, right? He's yep, he's in his third year. season, so he'll be a free agent after after the year. And it, it's a, the best time for him to break out is in year four. Don't don't get yes. me wrong, but uh, but still, it's it's uh, it's not a long time. It's not a multi year solution. It's just be a one year solution. So I mean, I think you're you're kind of with Mitchell and Hill. Um, you're kind of laying laying the groundwork at at running back, and then if Malik Ham um, can mm-hmm. should give you some of what Clowney does, you know. But you are you're pinching pennies already. Well, one other point I wanted to make: I think it's possible that some of these players that are on um, IR are not brought back because I, I took a quick look at it. They they amended the CBA uh, last offseason, 2022 offseason, so it's eight total um, reactivations. Mm-hmm. But that includes the NFI list. So Bowser will take one of those. Um, so if you bring back Pepe and Bowser and Mitchell and Ham, you're already halfway to your to your eight. That's four out of eight. A guy like Pepe, you know, we, we don't want to develop him, obviously. But uh, when you have Ardarius playing well and Mollette playing well, or at least on the team, uh, maybe you just leave him on IR and save that. Okay, so – I don't know how many the Ravens have used in past years, but it's not a large number that they use of the non-starting the season on IR guys. So they they have some that they're planning to come back and they put them on IR and they, they can make best use of the spot, create extra roster space, yada, yada, essentially create fourth game, fifth game replacements. It used to be fourth game replacements um, out of those extra spots. So those guys are much more likely to come back. The guys who get injured during the season, very unlikely to come back once they go on IR. But it is interesting to me that the Ravens haven't made IR moves on either of their linemen yet. Ronnie Stanley did not get moved to IR yet or Linderbaum. The, the rumor is that Ronnie may be available before uh, Linderbaum. Linderbaum might be a month. Ronnie might be two, three weeks. The other one to me that's really surprising is Marcus because he was put on IR last year and then did return. Um it's just you don't want to be in a position where you already have four of the eight earmarked and you're not even halfway through September yet. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess I'm, I, I'll reiterate my that I'm just a little bit less concerned about that. I think the eight is still extremely ample. And I think the rule change was actually directed at the Ravens to both make it, you know, after four weeks and to limit the number because the Ravens are one of the teams that are just magicians in terms of working that number. I could see that number getting reduced, by the way, in the future. But the at the eight the eight number, I still see that as being more than enough as it stands right now. And if they have a couple more four week injuries during the season, then that's going to change rapidly. Also, if you get to once you get to about week ten and you start having injuries, you don't put people on IR anymore. You got so many walking wounded, you just carry them on the roster and and you right. and you deal with it. But, uh, you know, it's, there's, a, there's a relatively limited window of time where people will still be injured and then you still hope they can come back at some point during the season. Sure. Certainly agree. Just wanted to make that point is the reason why maybe some of these players have not been put on IR that were injured week one. All right. Outstanding. Uh, Voss, always a pleasure to do this show with you. Tell folks where they can uh, talk football. My pleasure, Ken. I am the co-manager at Baltimore Beatdown Blog. You can reach me at on Twitter at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. And I have a podcast that I do with Yuri every Thursday night called The Raven's Way. 
All right, outstanding. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up on Twitter with DM. They're always open. I want to hear from you and what you want to talk about with regard to the Baltimore Ravens. Whatever you're passionate about can be any topic at all, really. Uh, hit me up and we'll decide if there's a good show in there. I'll get right back to you. Uh, for for Vasilis Larikos, this is Ken McCusick uh, saying goodbye. We'll talk to you next time on Friday Morning GM. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.